to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. Reading is coming from Exodus chapter 13, verse 1, and then skipping over to verses 11 to 16. Page 66 on this book, but if you've got your finger already in the other passage, don't worry about it. Chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether man or animal. After the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and gives gives it to you, as he promised on oath to you and your forefathers, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons." In the days to come, when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed every firstborn in Egypt, both man and animal. This is why I sacrificed to the Lord the first male offspring of every every womb and redeem each of my firstborn sons and it will be like a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead that the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his mighty hand. So the second reading is from Luke chapter 2. It begins at verse 25 and it is on page in your pew Bibles on page 1015. So Luke 2, starting at verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised You now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul 
2. Thanks be to God. Well, over the last three weeks, we've been thinking about the songs and sounds of Christmas. And we've heard various songs and sounds. Uh, The first song we looked at actually was the one that has Rachel weeping for her children. You might remember it's a terrible lament um, as the children under two are killed um, at at Christmas time, at what we now call Christmas time. Last week we heard uh, Mary's captivating words and Mary's beautiful song as she rejoiced in what God had given her. This week we move to Simeon's song and we hear an older man speaking, someone who's full of wisdom, someone who has been waiting someone who has something wonderful to say to each one of us, someone who says, look, I see the real Jesus. He's here. He's here. And he breaks into song. Well, as we pick up this passage, uh, if you look back to verse 21 of Luke chapter 2, you notice that Jesus um, has been circumcised, and then in verse 22... He's been brought to the temple uh, for, he's been presented at the temple at the time of their purification according to the law of Moses. Now this is something that uh, every woman had to do about uh, 40 days after they'd given birth to the child. They had to present themselves and their children to the temple and particularly the firstborn. You heard that reading earlier on. Um, And this was a very important part of Jewish life and tradition. And so we see here Jesus' family following those life and traditions. Uh, He's circumcised, he's presented at the temple. But when they go to the temple, something fairly special happens. And we see that moved by the Holy Spirit, Simeon crosses paths with Mary and Joseph. The first question I have, though, is who is this Simeon person? Who do we think this person is? Uh, We actually don't have very much information about him. Uh, we know that he's at the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, we know that uh, he seems to be an older man. At least that's the way he's spoken of here in these terms. But we do discover some things about the kind of person he is. Uh, in verse 25, you'll read these words. Um, he was ma- a man who was righteous and devout. Uh, he's clearly recognized as someone who is righteous and devout. Earlier on in Luke, uh, we've heard... Luke already speak about righteous and devout kind of people. You might remember uh, in Luke chapter 1, verse 6, Zechariah and his uh, wife Elizabeth um, were seen as people who observed the law and commandments and regulations blamelessly. They were righteous and devout people. Simeon is a righteous and devout person. I guess the simplest way to put it is that he loves God and he loves his neighbour. And everybody can see that. He's someone who loves God and loves his neighbour. But he also sees himself as a slave. You see there in verse 29 when he says these words, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now dismiss your servant or slave in peace. He sees himself as a servant of God, as a slave of God, as someone who follows and worships God. And that, in fact, is what makes him righteous and devout. His following of the Lord, his following and his commitment to serving him. Well, not only is he righteous and devout, 
in verse 25 we read again, he is also waiting for the consolation of Israel. Uh, If you looked at his bucket list, his bucket list would contain one thing, and that is that the Messiah would come. That he was waiting for the Messiah. Now, in some senses, this is not terribly unusual. All throughout the Old Testament, we see people are waiting for the promised one, waiting for someone to come, waiting for the salvation of Israel. And in fact, the consolation takes us back, way back, to the time of Abraham, where there's a promise made. I will make your name great, and through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And since then, people have been waiting. Moses was waiting. David was waiting. Isaiah was waiting. Micah was waiting. All of them were waiting for this time when someone would come and save them. For generations upon generations, from father to son, from mother to daughter, from family to family, from older to younger, Jewish children were taught to pray for the Messiah's appearance. They were all waiting. And Simon had been waiting his whole life. He was waiting. Waiting. And then something extraordinary takes place in verse 25. He's someone who's righteous and devout. He's someone who's waiting. But then the Holy Spirit comes upon him. Now, as you would appreciate, the Holy Spirit hasn't come at Pentecost yet. And all the words that are spoken here are spoken like an Old Testament prophet. It's the Holy Spirit comes upon him, reveals something to him. He's moved by the Spirit to go and intersect Mary and Joseph in the temple. He's a man who God works on. God reveals something to. God changes and the Holy Spirit is with him. And for all those who are familiar with the Old Testament, you would have been thinking, ah, here's a prophet, he's about to say something. Something is about to take place that is significant. The other thing we know about him, and this is the significant thing, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit in verse 26 that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, that's an extraordinary promise, actually. Remember all those people waiting and waiting and waiting to see the Lord's Christ? All those people who'd been thinking and looking and searching? And here, right here at this point, this devout man has been promised that it would be revealed to him before he dies. I can't imagine what it would have been like to be him, to realise that this promise had been made. I suspect he had some doubts. (laughs) Like, really? I'm the guy? I'm going to see the promised Messiah? I'm going to see the one who's been promised for so many hundreds of years? Really? And yet we get the impression that he believed it because he was devout and righteous. He, He waited There's a real sense in which this man trusted God in what was taking place. Now, it's also important in this story to notice that 
Simeon is a reliable witness. Uh, You might remember that Luke, uh, in the very first chapter, is very keen to conduct his research on who Jesus is by looking at reliable witnesses, by looking at people who can be trusted. And so Simeon here is someone who definitely can be trusted uh, because the Holy Spirit's upon him, because he's acting as a prophet, because of his devout and religious life, because of who he is. And Luke's just reminding us this is a reliable person. This person can be trusted. Their testimony is sure and true. Well, what happens? Well, it's actually a beautiful little story because what happens next is as Joseph and Mary come into the temple, Simeon sees them. And you see those words in verse 28. We read these words. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. There's something about seeing a little child that just makes you want to pick them up and to hold them. But Simeon here comes and sees this child. He recognises, because he's full of the Holy Spirit, that something special is happening here with this child. And he picks up the child. He picks up Jesus And he gives Jesus a cuddle. Now imagine as he picked up Jesus to give him a cuddle, he was just like every other little baby. I really don't like that carol where it says, no crying he makes. You familiar with that one? I kind of get the idea what's behind it, but really? Have you seen a child that doesn't cry? I mean, speak to any of their mothers here in our Christ. That's just not, doesn't happen. Jesus, I guess, in every other respect, would have just looked like a normal little baby. Now, as Simeon picks him up, maybe some cooing, maybe some smiling, maybe a little wriggle. It's it's a beautiful moment. And yet Simeon recognises something else is going on. And so, therefore, he sings a song. He praises God for what what he's come across. He praises God for this little wriggling bundle that he's holding in his arms. Verse 29. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now now may dismiss your uh, servant in peace. It's like as if, as he picks up the child... He says, the promise is fulfilled. I've been promised that I will wait and see the consolation of Israel. And my bucket list is ticked off. And here I am. I don't think he's wishing he could die here. I think he's just realising his purpose in life has been fulfilled in a beautiful, beautiful way. So many before him would have wished for that moment. They believed the promise. You might remember that passage in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39, where it says of people like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, all great people of faith, At the end of that passage, it says these words. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. 
And here is Simeon receiving what has been promised. The promise has been fulfilled. No wonder he's praising God. No wonder he's so excited. Well, as Simeon holds this promise of fulfillment, as Simeon holds this little child, he goes on and says in verse 29, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you have now dismissed your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all your people. Simeon, of course, is not the only one to recognise that Jesus is the Saviour. You might remember in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, we read these words. She will give birth to a son and you to give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. Or in Luke, we read the angels saying, Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born. He is Christ the Lord. He is the one who has come to save us. He is our rescuer. He is our salvation. All these years people have been waiting. And here at this moment is salvation, is rescue. Now, of course, that's actually what Christmas is all about. God's wonderful rescue plan being fulfilled in Christ. God reaching out to our world that needs saving and calling it to himself. And actually, that's one of the difficulties of Christmas, isn't it? Because in one way, we want to celebrate, we want to be joyous, we want to to say, wow, isn't this a wonderful time for family and friends and presents and food and all the things that go with Christmas. But actually, the birth of Christ is about the salvation of the world. And it confronts us with the fact that we actually need saving. That's, that's not so pleasant to hold on to sometimes. We can very often find ourselves thinking, no, I can do this by myself. In fact, in the last few weeks, I spoke with someone who said, my life was going so well. I was doing it all by myself, and then now this has happened. I, I just don't understand. How can this be possible? I'm competent, I'm intelligent. I know what I'm doing. Life has been good. And of course what this person had failed to recognise at this point was like all of us. They needed salvation. They needed to be rescued. There was no hope without Jesus. And so Simeon says as he holds this child, my eyes have seen your salvation. I see the answer. I see God's rescue plan unfolding. But even more amazingly, Simeon kind of looks more than just to this child. He, he looks to the impact of this child. He looks beyond what Jesus is doing here. And in verse 30 we, we read these words. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light of revelation for the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. Now, I'm not sure what Simeon would have thought of these words. Uh, they're quite astounding because he may have seen the Messiah coming and rescuing the people of Israel, but this notion of rescuing all nations wasn't so current. 
wasn't so recognized. And yet, of course, it's a theme that runs throughout the Old Testament. Uh, Back in Genesis 3, verse 12, we read those words again. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you, is the promise. Isaiah also writes those kinds of words in Isaiah chapter 49 when he says, It is too small a thing that you be a servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light to the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. So as Simeon holds this child, he recognizes that this child will not only have an impact on his own people, but we'll see Gentiles come to know Jesus, come to know God. And we see that starting to unfold. And Luke, as he continues to write in Acts, talks to us about the spread of this message to those who are Gentiles. You might remember that situation in Acts chapter 26 where Paul is before Agrippa. And he says these words as he speaks about his own uh, conversion He speaks of what Jesus said to him. I will now rescue you from your own people and from Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. It's it's just a beautiful moment. It includes the whole world. Now, of course, that's why we as a church continue to support people who go overseas, uh, who train for overseas. Uh, Topher and Loretta are not here today, so I'll speak about them for a moment. They've come all the way from Chile. They're in second year at Moore College. They've been here as student ministers, or they're going into second year at Moore College this coming year. One of their dreams is to go back to Chile and to be in ministry there. They've given up their lifestyle there. They've been separated from family. And they've come to live here, to spend their time training and thinking. And Topher, in the end, will go back because he wants other people, all nations, to know about the love of Jesus, about this wonderful salvation. So can you keep them in your thoughts and prayers? This is a big deal for them to come all this way. Can you continue to support them, invite them over to lunch? They love that kind of thing. They're away at the moment. They'll come back in the new year. But continue to support, and of course, support the other missionaries that are listed on our newsletter as well. But I just wanted to bring your attention to Topher because they're doing the hard yards and we really need to support them as a church. And they're doing it because they believe that this gospel needs to spread to everywhere in this world. The final thing that Simeon says is actually a little bit of a challenge. He says that this bundle, this this Jesus that he's holding, this, this child that is cooing and smiling and, and uh, wriggling, will cause great division. This child, in verse 34, is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. He says that too about his Mary, actually. It is inevitable that as this gospel is proclaimed, as people hear of who Jesus is, 
As Jesus says things like, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It will cause great division. Great challenges to others. Jesus will go on in himself to say in Luke chapter 12, I have come to bring fire on earth and how I wish it were already kindled. From now on there will be uh, five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They'll be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. And he's not just talking about Christmas and the challenges of Christmas. He's saying, actually, my truth, my salvation, this truth and salvation that comes into the world will actually cause great division. So be prepared for it. As Paul stood before King Agrippa, he was defending his faith. Why? Because he was receiving such opposition. And so Simeon, even though he's praising God, and singing about this salvation and the wonders of what is taking place here, even though in this very, very special moment he, he sees the consolation of Israel, he also looks forward as a, as a prophet to, to what will unfold, the challenges ahead, the thoughts ahead. And, of course, that leaves us with some questions, uh, some questions around Christmas time, questions like, what Jesus do you see at Christmas time? It's really easy to see the, the cuddly, warm Jesus that you hold. The one that we sing carols about, the ones that uh, people have depicted in all kinds of displays. And that's wonderful, but actually Jesus has come about something in particular. The salvation of the world and it will divide people. Now in many ways that's something to be rejoiced in, but actually we uncover something deeper here. Not just all the joy and the celebrations, but the realness of what Jesus is doing. The wonder of what Jesus is doing as he calls people to himself. And I guess the other thing that we notice here, as I just finished this morning, is that there's kind of a contentment we see in Simeon as he sees the real Jesus, as he waits for the real Jesus. And I want to suggest to you that that can also be true of us. As we understand, as we come to deep knowledge of who Jesus is, as we see who he really is, it calls us to a kind of contentment. A contentment in the promises of God that he's been faithful in the past, he'll be faithful in the future. That he's come to redeem a world for himself, that he's come and sent his own son, that Jesus is our salvation. And he's come to do something about this world. So this Christmas, with all the sounds and songs and celebrations, yes, let's do that. But let us also grasp hold of this notion of contentment as we look at Jesus and know that he will do all for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church Podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.